Pulse. You're now locked in to HBCU Pulse. We're the number one outlet for HBCU life, talking about everything that's important to our culture, from on-campus issues to politics and what's trending on the yard. We always keep that same energy. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to HBCU Pulse Radio. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to HBCU Pulse Radio. It is Super Bowl week in the building. Super Bowl 58 is about to go down. And you all know from last year, we did a crazy show for the Super Bowl. So this year, we have to go even crazier. I have a young lady that is doing her thing as a strategic communications major at Morgan State University, the national treasure. The National Treasure in the building, making it happen. Listen, she has an amazing story and also a link to a legendary HBCU football player and NFL legend. I have Miss Asada Shabazz in the building. How you doing today, Asada? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Listen, I'm so excited to talk to you. Before we start, I gave my introduction. I try to do you justice. You from a National Treasure, okay? I need you to let everyone know who you are. Hi, everybody. My name is Asada Lashabaz, and I am a junior strategic communications major at the illustrious National Treasure Morgan State University here in Baltimore, Maryland. I love it. I love it. But you have a very interesting link. I, I, I want you to lead the folks into it. You have history, Black history in your blood on Black History Month. Tell us about it. So basically a couple years back, I found out about this legendary in my family. So I'm aspiring sports journalist. I would like to tell diverse stories one day. I want to talk about the background knowledge and stuff like that. And where to start more than my family at that point, I didn't even notice that I was related to Robert Stonewall Jackson, who was the first HBCU NFL draft to play at his time. So I'm his great niece. So it's just been an amazing story so long. I was able to, this last past month, just recreate a whole newspaper dedicated to him. Because I feel like not a lot of people hear his story. And I just felt like this was a story that needed to be told. Yes. And the thing about it is with Robert Stonewall Jackson, the first HBCU player drafted to the NFL from North Carolina A&T. Aggie's like the brag asada. All right. That's Aggie proud of me. You cannot tell them anything anymore. That's their person. All right. So you can't tell them anything anymore. He did so many amazing things. He's an HBCU coaching legend as well. He served a lot of his time after the NFL at North Carolina Central doing a lot of amazing things. But you said something interesting. You said you learned about him being a part of your family two years ago, right? So I would say I did. So I've always visiting um, his house that we still have. There was always paintings. People would send gifts. I've met the players, but I don't think I ever realized who he was. Yes, I knew he was a football coach. Yes, I knew he coached at NCCU um, for a very long time. But I didn't know how important his story was until recently when we went to go collect an award for the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame. And that was my first time going to one of those public press events with my family representing him. And that's when I got the big picture. And it was like, wow, this is such a historic like moment for me just in my career as that's literally when I want to do a sports journalist. So how did you find out? So is, was it like, did, did, did your parents tell you, did you find out in a, a family scrap? But like, how did you find out that this black history trailblazer is in your family? I basically, I think it was not so much finding out, but realizing 
sometimes as you grow up, it's like you take some things for granted. Oh, okay. Your mom might give you $5. You're like, all right, you go spend it on some candy and you forget all about it. So that's how it was. I grew up always walking past these paintings, stuff like that, talking to his former players. But I never knew that he was the first to be drafted and play on an NFL level. So that's, that didn't happen until three years ago when we went to go collect the award. And we got different honorees and stuff like that. And I was old enough to finally go to events and represent with the family. Did I actually know the full story? As I talk to more players and dig more deep, I just found out how important it was to know your roots and just share them with the world. So like when you first found out, I want to get that first moment when you first realized that Robert Stonewall Jackson, the first HBCU player drafted to the NFL like, that is your great uncle. How did it feel when you realized how important it was? It was amazing. I would say that it was a surreal moment. Wanting to be a sports journalist and realizing that is, wow, like, this is literally, I felt like this was where I was always meant to be. Like, he paved the way for athletes, but he also paved the way for other people in that time to have jobs um, in the NFL. There wasn't as many colors back in the day, even in the building, on that field, working on that field. So... I feel like that realization was like, wow, who would have known years later that I would want to do something like this, just following in his path. So for me, it was a very emotional moment because I was like, wow, this is like really what I want to do in life. So he coached at Johnson C. Smith, Shaw University, Texas Southern, North Carolina College, now known as North Carolina Central. And it's so interesting because you have North Carolina A&T, North Carolina Central, they're bitter rivals. So it gets really deep. It gets really deep when it, when it goes to North Carolina A&T and North Carolina Central, but they really share this kinship because he was a coach for North Carolina Central from 1968 to 1977. So I want to ask you this. You say you talk to some of his older players. So tell me about talking to them and what they say about Mr. Jackson. They just always talk about how he was the person that they believed in them and stuff like that. He, they, he always pushed them super hard and stuff like that. And you know that you could just never get anything by him. That's always what people talk about. They're like, you know, if you were late to practice, like he used to have a phrase basically saying like, if you're on time, you're late. And if you're late, you're on time. That's the famous saying. But it was just people just used to talk about how he was really that mentor figure in their life. And that meant a lot to me because I did get to grow up like at a really young age meeting him. But those moments are not as like memorable. I can't remember them. But just hearing other people's stories just helped me. Wow, I really feel like he's here with me. Man, when I tell you, it's so interesting just hearing this story because I, I saw you talk about how in your post, when you post about Mr. Jackson being related to you, you said it inspires you. So how does it inspire you? It inspires me because nowadays, I feel like we're starting to see more of it, but we haven't fully seen all of it. Like representation within these major leagues, professional leagues. We have the athletes, but what about the professionals? So I feel this really was that reinsurance box. Sometimes it's like you dream for something, you dream for something, you want it to happen, but you never know if it's actually possible. Finding out about this story and being able to reconstruct and make his legacy into a newspaper really had me at the moment where I'm like, this is what I was always meant to do. There was nothing else designed for me. This is the only way and stuff like that. And I feel like his story just reassured that so what made you make it a newspaper to tell the story like what made you go for that medium versus other mediums i feel like the biggest thing was i wanted something for my family to have more so for us to put in our records 
because we don't have any newspapers that were published about him, I went and I searched online. I've contacted newspapers in North Carolina. I contacted newspapers from our hometown, Allentown, PA. And all of them, I found some of them, but I can't read them. They put them online, but I still can't read what it says. So I'm like, wow, like, this is literally like history, but you can't read it. North Carolina Central and NCAT, they they always honor him year after year. But it's I want more people to know about this. I want it to be touched here at the National Treasure. I want it to be touched at all these different HBCUs. So I'm like, how do I expose it? One, for my family, so we have something for our records, but also for other people. So that's where I was like, I'm going to make this newspaper, and then I'm also going to digitize it and stuff like that. So you were reaching out to the newspapers that published articles about him? You reached out? Yes. So I reached out to newspapers. When I was doing a lot of my research, I found if you subscribe to this newspaper, there's a story. So I'm like, okay, let me subscribe. I did all that. And then I'm like, what? I can't even read it. This is such a scheme. I can't even read the newspaper. So I was reaching out to newspapers. Do you guys still have the original copies or the original scans of the newspapers that were published back in the day and some of them said yes and some of them said no we only have what is online unfortunately and stuff like that I tried to read as best as I could but I just took from the documents that we had and on top of those and rectified it made a new newspaper and then I also just put how his accomplishments have been honored and stuff like that also in the newspaper listen you did more than rectified you handled it because I'm telling you I'll tell you what you better than me because the first non-answer I would have got, I would have been like, listen, the family know about him. But I think that's so noble because you want to get into sports journalism. And as someone that is, is working in, in this field, like that steadfastness and reaching out and having initiative and having the ideas and following up on those ideas is something that's so important. And I want to talk more about your time at Morgan State in a second. But what goes into that passion and that drive? Because this is a, a project you really wanted to complete. And it's something that's important to you and your family. But what went into you taking this initiative and going out to call those newspapers and put this project together? I would really say it has to go down to my professor's. I have a specific professor that I was talking to one day, and she's actually one of the reasons why I started the project. She was basically like, you're never going to be a perfect journalist if you only write when you're in the classroom. And I'm just like, oh, it's like I have no time to write. There's so much going on. Like, what am I ever going to write? And what am I going to write about? And stuff like that. And she really just inspired me to just write more. So I'm like, what am I going to write about? What am I going to write about? While I'm also like finding about this news. And I'm just like, this is perfect. I'm going to write about this and stuff like that. And I feel like ever since then, that was the drive. As soon as I found out one thing, I wanted to know more. I'm like, this can't be the whole story. I need to know more. Then I talked to one player. They mentioned this, but I haven't found anything on that. So now I have to figure out where that stemmed from and stuff like that. So I feel like it was that first lead. And then after the first lead, it was like, I want to have the full story because in a couple of years, a couple of generations later, I'm not going to be here and stuff like that. But who is going to continue the legacy? How are people going to be like, this is what happened. This was the first person. I would hate for some, like a story like this to just be erased. And it also, it's not just a story for my family. It's a story for everybody. It's a story for every HBCU athlete out there on the field that thinks they might not have a chance or they should have chose to go to institution instead of an HBCU. That's what the story is. It's to inspire. I love that. So to transition into that story, and the impact of that story, 
what do you want folks to get from this? Because you have the pictures of bomb, by the way, like sharp imagery, like the fit is together. Like we love to see it. So like, what do you want folks to, to get from the story and the promotion of the story and of your great uncle? I want people just to know that they can do what they want to do. So my thing is, we don't see a lot of athletes nowadays wanting to go to HBC. The top athletes, they're going to these big other schools. Same thing with coaches. We don't see a lot of HBCU coaches staying within the HBCU realm. So I really just want to draw more attention to HBCUs. Let's bring it back home. Let's bring it back to the national treasure. Let's bring those athletes here um, and stuff like that. So we have platforms like this. And there was somebody. Because I feel like what I hear a lot is people say, nobody gets drafted from an HBCU. We don't see it often. So I just wanted to prove a point that people have been drafted from HBCUs. And it's been going on for years. He was the first. But come on, there hasn't been a big gap. There's others. So that's what I wanted to do. I worked very closely with um, Morgan State University's football team my freshman year until my sophomore year until I became um, a journalist. Now I work with all the different teams. I hated seeing the players feel like that this was their last chance of playing football, that this was the last time they were going to play football, when that's really not the truth. If they wanted to take it professionally, they can. They have an option. People will look at you, even if you come from an HBCU. But I also wanted people to get from the story that my great uncle, he played football, but I'm a journalist. I want people to understand that there are stories out here like this. And if you want to be a journalist in this field, you can and you can start making waves now, which is what I'm trying to do. I love it. And you said something very key that goes to a project that I did last year going into the Super Bowl in Black History Month. You had Patrick Mahomes and you had Jalen Hurst, two black quarterbacks going against each other for the first time. You have Doug Williams that was at Grambling under Eddie G. Robinson, the first black quarterback to win Super Bowl MVP. So I was like, you know what? I want to list every HBCU player that's ever been drafted from an HBCU. And then we have the data and we see the trends. We see what positions teams go for. We see what teams ha have been judicious in getting HBCU players. And one thing that I've seen is that from 1950, when Robert Stonewall Jackson was drafted to 2020, you had at the very least one HBCU player drafted. And that's the thing that blew my mind because I'm hearing the notion that, oh, HBCU players aren't drafted. I've heard players that are in the NFL from an HBCU say, I was going to transfer because I didn't think I could get drafted from an HBCU. But I can't fake the numbers. From 1950 to 2020, there has been one HBCU player drafted in the only year, which I thought that was wild, but there were some variables behind it, was 2021, when there were no players drafted. You follow up 2022, you have four players drafted, including a Super Bowl champion in Joshua Williams from Fayetteville State. So I think that just the, like the notion that HBCU players can't get drafted from an HBCU I always hate it because people go where you're excelling at. And we see that with Steve McNair. We, we see it with your great uncle, Robert Stonewall Jackson. Like we, we saw Ed Tuchel Jones drafted number one in the NFL draft. So I, I think that what you're doing is important because we got to tell that story and hopefully the athletes tap in for sure. But I, I want to ask you about that because you talked about it briefly. Like, what do you think about like the players? Like you had in the 90s, you had 10, 11, 12, 20 players being drafted. And now we hope to get one. We hope there's not another year where 
there's another HBC football player not drafted. Like, how do you feel about that? It's very sad to hear, but I feel like it all comes back to how we view HBCUs and the HBCU culture. If people are out here saying, or we don't see athletes from HBCUs getting drafted, there's the notion that, oh, if you go to HBCU, you won't be drafted. That's just not the truth. They're looking for the talent. Wherever the talent is, they're going to find the talent. It's sad to hear that many athletes nowadays, they don't consider HBCUs. They rather go to Power 5 schools and different things like that when, you know, just bring it home. Just bring it back to the culture. Bring it back to the history, stuff like that. What an athlete can do to an HBCU is amazing because literally the culture will wrap around that single athlete. Even if that athlete doesn't end up going professionally, we all know, I I don't know if you've attended the HBCU, but there's always that star player. And it always brings a sense of home, fans, just wanting to root for that player, even if they decide not to go professionally. Don't don't go anywhere. Y'all know who I am, right? HBCU Pulse Radio will be right back after this commercial break. You know, they say love is unconditional, and that's something that I know I've gotten from my family, especially my mom. My mom has always shown me what love looks like, what faith looks like, what courage looks like, and she's helped me in ways that she honestly doesn't even know. And I know sometimes they can get tricky, it can get challenging, because sometimes we do things that our families and our parents don't really expect for us to do. But one thing about love being unconditional, that the unconditional love is always there. And that's something that I always seize on. But these relationships, like I said, are not always easy. And a common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be quote unquote right. But that's not true. The best relationships are the ones where everyone puts in the work to make it great. Oftentimes we have a hard time navigating tough moments. And to be honest, that's perfectly fine. The good news is that we have access to therapy and a safe space to work through the challenges we face in all of our relationships, family relationships, platonic relationships, serious relationships. We have a place and a safe space to grow and learn more about yourself. Therapy can be a great way to improve your relationships on and off campus. And even when you graduate, whether they're with your friends, your classmates, your teachers, your family, your coworkers, Therapy can help you understand who you are and identify your strengths and weaknesses, what you like, what you don't like, help you cope with stress and emotion and changes in your life. Therapy helps you communicate with others and better resolve conflict. Therapy also helps you develop skills that will benefit you in your academic, personal, and professional life. And trust me, that's something that we all need. Therapy helps you with self-esteem, motivation, goal setting, problem solving, and certainly time management. Therapy is not a sign of weakness or failure, and I'm so glad that that is not the narrative anymore. It's a sign of courage and growth, and it's important that if you love yourself, you love yourself enough to go to therapy. Now, if you're thinking about finding a good therapist, I have the solution for you. I urge you to give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, it's convenient, and it's very accessible. I use BetterHelp. So here's what I want you to do. Visit BetterHelp.com slash HBCU to get 10% off your first month today. That's BetterHelp.com slash HBCU to get 10% off your first month. I really urge you to tap in with BetterHelp because this year is all about self-improvement and loving ourselves. You can't love yourself if you don't take care of your mental health. Welcome back. In four, three, two, one. 
the heart of HBCU culture. Yeah, I want to say this. I attended Fort Valley, so I know exactly what you're talking about. And I want to just say, I always like to brag with this one, all right? We have one pro football Hall of Famer at Fort Valley and Rayfield Wright played for the Cowboys. He went to all them Super Bowls. I'm not really a Cowboys fan like that for real. I respect them. I'm not like as bad as other folks, but he, but I'm not that bad because you got Ray Thur as one of their legends that's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And then you got Marquise Bell from FAMU that was starting on the defensive line at linebacker making it happen. And it wasn't his fault they lost to the Packers. It, was, it, was, it, it wasn't Marquise Bell's fault. Marquise Bell was tackling out there. Okay, it wasn't his fault. All right, it was Dak Prescott's fault. We're going to blame Dak Prescott. And he went to the white school. Okay, we're going to blame him. But I think it's so interesting the transition into that HBC experience for you because what you're doing is significant even like outside of this project with your great uncle like you're doing so many amazing things and you're building an amazing career for yourself so let's talk about your time at Morgan State and your HBCU journey so what made you choose Morgan State as your HBCU so basically it was just like in my head it was like a movie scene so on i was about to graduate and at the time it was covid we were in that era i was one of those covid graduates so we didn't really get to visit a lot of schools we didn't get to tour a lot of schools but morgan state was still providing i was able to go on a physical tour with audio that they provided walk around the campus and i literally fell in love with the national treasure i fell in love with how we have all these historic buildings, all this history, but we also have all this innovation and we all have all this growing buildings and new buildings and new schools. And just being able to have that experience of stepping on campus, I literally envisioned myself here. And I was like, this is where I want to go to school. There's nothing better than 1867. <laughs> that's so interesting because that's, in, that's being inventive. That's what HBCUs have to be. And we always push as alumni and students, we always push for HBCUs to be inventive and take risks to it to a certain point. Because in COVID, we were trying to make sure everybody was good, but you were able to get on that campus and you saw that was where you wanted to go. And I want to talk about that because I know when I stepped foot on Fort Valley's campus, it felt like home, like literally. And that's such a cliche thing to say because every HBCU student and alum says that, but it really felt like home. Whenever I'm at any HBCU, it feels like home, but Fort Valley, it felt like the place for me. I'm from Macon, Georgia. Fort Valley is not that far from me. So when I was there, it didn't feel like it was too far away. It didn't feel like I was too far, far away from my family. It felt like I could be there and be successful. So when you step foot on Morgan State's campus, how did it feel? Talk to us about just the feeling and how you felt about it. So when I came on the campus, I would say it was actually nighttime because I was touring other HBCUs at the time. So I was making my way back up to the north. So it was at night and I was like, wow, we ended up like getting there later than we expected. I don't remember what time it was, but I remember the sun was down, right? But it's still like the virtual tour was still online. It was like an audio that you could play on your phone while you walk around campus. And the clock tower, I just remember looking at the clock tower. In front of it was Frederick Douglass. We have all these like little stones with all the alumni that have donated money. And just standing there in the yard and just seeing like the buildings, it just felt like you said, it just felt like home. There was no other place I wanted to be at. And then if you're ever on Morgan's campus, if you're on the yard in front of Holmes Hall, you can look to the right and you can see Tina and Tyler Hall, which is a brand new building. So you have the aspect of history, but you also have the aspect of growing. And just being able to see that orange and blue shine off of that building 
into the yard was just like, wow, this is so nice. I want to be here. I don't know where else I would want to be. Like, And then just looking at the bridge, all the cars, I was like, I knew I wanted to be like in an urban area community. And Baltimore is that. Baltimore is a family. So that's just how it felt. I don't even know how else to describe it. I just remember feeling, wow, this is such a like great night. Like, I felt like I was in a movie. In a movie, I, I I love that. Like you, you described it. I think you described it perfectly because that's that love for your HBC experience that's synonymous with all of us that have attended HBCUs, that graduated from HBCUs, that are currently attending HBCUs. So I think that's amazing. And, and one thing about the HBCU experience is that student leadership is so unique at our schools, right? Because you have so many different positions. Every school doesn't have a, like a, a Mr. and a Miss. You got Mr. and Miss Morgan. SGA hits really different at HBCUs. Now, I'm going to say this now. I don't know if you watch Bama Rush, okay? The movie Bama Rush, that's that was on Max, they, they do it a different way, all right? Uh, we don't do it like that. They do a little bit too much at Bama. Okay, but listen, for our SGA, I was an SGA at Fort Valley. I was a student leader nationally as well. We do it a different way. We have a style. We have a way we advocate. We have issues that we advocate for. But you're involved on campus in so many different ways. And I want to start with the communication side. As a strategic communications major, you are the student assistant manager at Bear TV. So tell us about Bear TV and your role as student assistant manager. Yeah, so Bear TV is the official student television network for Morgan State University, and we cover a wide range of different things. We cover sports, we have a podcast, we cover the news, elections, and we also cover SGA. We have a specific show for SGA because we just love our SGA. So yeah, so how like I started off in Bear TV was my second semester of my freshman year, I was trying to figure out like, how do I get more involved? How do I actually make it like in this career field? I'm learning about it in class, but what do I join? And that's where like they were having an interest meeting for Bear TV and I went and I was super nervous at the time. And I was just like, I don't know if I could do this. Like, I don't know. Like all these people know how to edit better than me. They just, they know how to do it all. And I'm not there yet. So I joined one of the shows at the time and I was the only freshman on that show at the time. And I was able to shadow and edit and learn different things about the studio. And I just, I was just like, I was still shy in my role. I really did a lot of shadowing as there were a lot of upperclassmen on the show. But one day it was like during finals week, all the upperclassmen had finals. And I was like, oh, that's a freshman. It was like, oh, there's not really many finals. I'm done. And my boss at the time that I didn't really know, Dwayne Saunders, he basically said that there was an assignment and that a high-profiled athlete was coming to campus and that they needed somebody to cover it as of tomorrow. And I'm just like, oh, I, why don't you ask somebody else? I'm not really, I haven't done the field work. All of I've done was like the editing behind the scenes. I didn't have a really big assignment yet. So I'm just like, I don't know. And he's nobody else is available and you're available. And I'm just like, okay, I'll do it. And I'm like, so who's the person? Can I have research? And they're like, you're not allowed to know who the person is. Nobody's allowed to know. So I'm like, okay, now I don't know who the person is. Like, I'm like, I hope I know them. What if I don't know them? I'm about to be in front of them. They're like, the president will be there. The band will be there. Everybody will be there. And I'm just like, who, who's coming? And I'm like, and they were like, this is the time and place where you have to meet. I got there early. I brought my notepad, I brought my phone, had the camera with me. And I'm just like, I don't know what's about to happen. Morgan State M3 starts to play the band. And I'm just like, the band is playing. I'm like, they must be coming. Next thing you know, I see our president, David Wilson, come with Magic Johnson. And I'm like, 
what this is wild this is absolutely insane and then it's just crowds of people just crowds of people i don't know if y'all can envision it but it was crowds of people and stuff like that and i'm in the front with the pr person for american state university getting pictures and trying to talk to him and all this stuff and i'm just like completely amazed that this literally just happened right now like the first assignment i ever had like officially just me was this and I'm like, wow, that this was just meant to be. And after that, I stuck with Bear TV. I did plenty of more assignments, got so many opportunities, was able to sharpen my skills and just really find myself within the studio. I got to work on various different shows until I was offered this year, first semester, to be the student assistant manager. Basically what the student assistant manager is, I see over all the shows and stuff like that. I work with everybody, every show. I work on special assignments and stuff like that. It was just such an honor after two years of being here with Bear TV to be offered a position like this and stuff like that. And it's been fun ever since. It's just been amazing. Every day is not like the same here. I can tell and listen, you told a story. You are definitely a communications major. This is how you know. We know how to give you the plot, the subplot, like, like the suspense. Magic Johnson is walking it. Listen, you gave a story. And I think that's so important with MassCom. You, you, you stay ready so you don't got to get ready because that's really what the industry is because sometimes it's a little bit unstable. Sometimes you don't know what's going to happen. So I, I think you, you stepped up in a major way when it comes to that. But you also have some other experiences that I think are incredibly interesting. You are really building your resume. So I'm gonna name like, like what you were a part of and I want you to tell us about that experience, okay? You were a participant in the Disney College Program HBCU cohort this past summer. So tell us about that. Yes, this past summer, I don't even know like how like I ended up there. But anyways, so I think I saw something about it and I was like, Disney only y'all heard like, Hmm, that's so interesting. I always dreamed of going to Disney World. I went once before, but I just couldn't remember it. So I'm like, Disney on the yard. And I'm like, anything HBCU, I'm down for it. Let's get into it. We, I think we all are. So I'm like, you know what? Let me do this Disney on the yard program and stuff like that. And I didn't know if I was going to get accepted. And next thing I got accepted. And I'm just like, wow. Like I was the second person from Morgan State University to go. There was someone the year before me. And I believe I was in the second cohort, which is at right now is currently the biggest cohort for the Disney on the Yard program. And I'm just like, wow, I'm actually going to be in Florida all summer long. And that experience was just, it was remarkable, I would have to say. You get to meet so many people from different HBCUs that want to do similar things than you are other things, and you just get to bounce off of them, bounce off of the energy. Morgan State, we're up here. We're farther from most HBCUs. We have Bowie, Coppin, Cheney, Lincoln, but most of the HBCUs are in the heart of the South. We don't get that experience. So being down at Disney for the summer, although we were at Disney, I felt like I was on an HBCU campus because I made so many friends that went to different institutions. I got to learn about the HBCU cultures down there and stuff like that. And that was just an amazing experience in itself. Just being able to meet people from other HBCUs and talk about how you guys have similar stories and non so similar stories is just, it was an amazing experience for me. And after that, it just, after that, I was inspired to go on an HBCU tour this last homecoming. I got to visit many HBCUs. I was like, I'm going to every HBCU I know somebody that I go to because I just need it all. I need the whole experience. I need everything. I just, I love the national treasure. We do it best, but I wanted to see what other people had to offer. Listen, when I tell you that sounds like 
any HBCU student that knows someone nationally, you got to go on a tour. Trust me, I totally understand. When I was a White House HBCU All-Star, like, I was doing the exact same thing. I only went to FAMU. That was the only place I went. But, like, still, that, that was a place. All right? I went there, and I saw a different experience than, than what Fort Valley was. Fort Valley is my school, but going there for homecoming, like, my family went with me. I was like, we were like, that's we've never seen that many black folks in one place. All right, that was something else. So for me, it was like even in the airport when I was traveling down there from DC. I'm like, wow, it's all FAMU in here, all these HBCUs in here. Everybody's traveling down to Florida. I'm like, wow, just being an area with that so many Black people, the alumni, just it always is like it's a different experience. Talking to any HBCU alumni is just it's an awesome day. Like when you get that opportunity, it's wow. Yeah, it honestly is an amazing opportunity, but you also had another opportunity that I think is really dope. Speaking of Magic Johnson, you were the intern for the Washington Commanders, and Magic Johnson is one of the owners of the Washington Commanders now. So tell us about that experience interning with the Washington Commanders. Yeah, so on multiple occasions, I got to work um, with the Washington Commanders. I got to help out with their alumni homecoming weekend, which was an amazing experience, just to see all their alumni come back onto the field and just... That was my first pro any like experience. Like this is the real deal. This is Sunday Night Live. So that was just in itself, like being able to see all the behind the scenes work, just how many people it takes to actually put on a football game was just amazing. And it just it was one of those surreal, reassuring moments where I was like, this is where I want to be. Like, how do I get back here and stuff like that? And working for them was just phenomenal. I'm more of a basketball fan, but at that time, I was like, I'm football, everything. Commanders, everything. I'm a Commanders fan. Like, my brother probably going, like, my brother's a Cowboys fan. So he's probably like, nah, she don't got up there. I said she's a Commanders fan. But anyways, I just was so amazed by it all. Just being able to be around many professionals, meet many people, make connections, but also connect across. I got to meet so many people that go to HBCUs out here that were working there at the time, but also go to different institutions and stuff like that. It was a wonderful time. And it gave me that real work experience. So you always dream of it, but once you get there, you're like, wow, this is real time. They actually need this by the end of the game. When your teacher says, oh, get the assignment, 30 minutes. <laughs> the game ends in five and we need it. It was great. It was a wonderful experience. I'm very thankful for them. Yeah, and I want to just, just say that the Cowboys and the Commanders our rivals, so I see why your brothers. What? No, you're not no commanders fan. Like their their rivals is not as big of a rivalry because the commanders they've struggled a, a little bit. Shout out to, to Doug Williams because, because he won the Super Bowl with the Commanders back in the days. Where that's I even got to meet Doug Williams. You did? How was that? Yes, it was a surreal moment too because I actually got to. So when I worked the alumni homecoming weekend, I did a lot of escorting, and I got to escort him and some other people, and it was like wow, I'm getting to escort him around the stadium and stuff like that. And I even got to see him do an interview. And it was just like, it was just like, wow, like this is legendary that I'm standing right here in this moment. Who would have known? So it was a great experience. When I tell you I was doing my research for the interview and I was looking at your Instagram and you had a reel of that experience of you being an intern with the commanders and you had a picture in like the locker room and like you were smiling. I saw like a glow. Like I could tell that was happiness. That was joy. Like you really enjoyed that experience. So like 
overall, what did you take from that experience? Because of course you talked about being timely and making sure you get things on time and meeting Doug Williams and so many other dignitaries at that alumni weekend. But I guess I just saw joy when I saw that picture of you in that locker room. So like overall, what did you take from that experience? Wow. The biggest thing I would say I took for that, I would say is just being in the moment. I've had so many opportunities. I've gotten to do so many things, but just not letting moments like that, like time out super quick. So just being able to actually, when I first took like step foot on that football field to actually enjoy the moment and see all the fans and just be there and actually be doing the work. I just remember coming back to my dorm room at night. Wow, I literally just went and worked for the NFL and now I'm going to class tomorrow. This is crazy. So just soaking it all up, you know what I mean? Because moments like that is where it starts. It definitely does start there. So let's talk about this. Like you are a member of the USA Basketball Torch Mentorship Cohort. When I saw that, I'm like, does she have a gold medal? Like, golly, like the USA basketball. So you say you're a basketball fan or I'm a basketball fan too. Yeah, so tell me about that. Yes, so after I finished my Disney on the Yard program, I was like, how am I going to stay connected in the sports realm? What is going to be my next project? Because this just can't be my last opportunity here. How am I going to stay getting these opportunities? I'm seeing all these people on LinkedIn get opportunities. And I'm just like, how do I get there? How do I get there? So I'm just searching for internships, mentorships, and stuff like that. At the time, I didn't have a mentor. I did the program, and I met a lot of nice people through Disney and stuff like that. And that's when I was like, I saw something about the Torch Mentorship Program, and I was just like, basketball is always where I wanted to be, and stuff like that. I played basketball at a very young age, and stuff like that. A lot of people played basketball in my family outside of football. So I was like, this is something I want to do. So I signed up. And I just was like crossing my fingers that, you know, that I would get a chance. Um, and I got an interview and I ended up getting it, um, which it's an amazing program. I'm in it for the whole academic year. My mentor is the head of communications for USA Basketball. So I work with her. She helps me with everything. We meet twice a week and we were able to go to the Celebration Bowl and stuff like that, experience that and also have like different conferences and stuff like that. That's just a unique program specifically for HBCUs and HBCU students, which a lot of opportunities are out there now. But when we talk about just for HBCU students, stuff like this is unique. Stuff like this is just for us. So I feel like doing that experience really exposed me, one, to peers that go to different institutions that want to do the same thing as me. But it also gave me the ability to work with somebody in the career field, despite that I go to an HBCU. Because I feel like what people don't talk about a lot of time is when they see names like Morgan State University, they might be like, oh, we don't want her. She's coming from Baltimore, Maryland. She's coming from a historically black college. That's too black for us. We rather want the black girl that went to the regular institution. So being able to work with USA Basketball has been phenomenal um, because I feel like I'm being seen as a SADA and not a SADA that goes to Morgan State University. I love that. So I got to ask this. So you say you went to the Celebration Bowl. You got a chance to see FAMU win the Celebration Bowl before. A lot of stuff happened after that. I don't know if you've seen that. You had Coach Simmons that left. He's at Duke. He's the running backs coach. It was a lot going on. You, like, like you can read my articles about it if you don't know. Because I was covering that, all right? That was some good content. All right. But I think I saw you say in your reel, that was your first time in Atlanta. Was that your first time in Atlanta? Yes, that was my first time in Atlanta. What? 
I've never been to Atlanta before. So I've been to Atlanta like on conjoining flights, but I never actually got out of the airport. So that was my first time in Atlanta. And it was quite a time. It was quite a time <laughs> to be around everybody, the Rattler Nation, HU. It was great. I had friends on both sides of the both sides of the fields. I was re- rooting for Howard because it's MIAC. <laughs> we like the swag, but we in the MIAC. But it was just phenomenal experience being the first time in Atlanta, also being at a celebration bowl, being in this unique program and stuff like that. It was amazing. Everybody was there. Who wasn't there? I feel like everybody was there. Well, I, I, I wasn't there. But <laughs> I was watching from home. I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I, I went to the apartment. Like, I was watching on ABC. But like when I tell you, like when I saw like that you said that you had never been to Atlanta, I was like, she's talking about she's never been to the Celebration Bowl. Of course, she's been to Atlanta. Because I'm in Georgia. Atlanta's like the spot. So I'm like, if she's never been to Atlanta. I've never been like to New York or something like that. I've never, I've never been to Baltimore, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, maybe that's like the same thing. Because I was like, she ain't never been to Atlanta? Like, what? I was like, blasphemy. Like, <laughs> I'm glad you were able to get that experience because Atlanta's the spot. I'm telling you, especially that, that Celebration Bowl. But I want to ask you about this. So you posted a photo on your Instagram on January 1st. You popped out New Year's. You had you a really nice caption. You make some captions, I'm telling you. Your captions be dope, all right? And you said, with only three semesters remaining until graduation, I eagerly anticipate what 2024 has in store for me as I approach the final chapter of my academic year at the National Treasure. So I want to ask you this, based on what you said there, what are your aspirations and goals after graduating from Oregon State? I feel like that question is so hard. That's literally been on my heart a lot. Like, where am I going to be after graduation? Because you just never know when the next opportunity may come or just where I'll be. And I would say I'm really going with the flow. I know I've always wanted to get my master's. Um, so that is definitely on my mind. Will I go straight into getting my master's at another HBCU or another institution? I'm not sure yet. I know if I do pick another HBCU, I'll be going towards the South because I had a great old time down there. And I was like, wow, you know, if I have to get my master's, I'm coming down here. Stuff like that. So, but outside of that, I'm hoping either I go straight into my master's or I have a job opportunity. Either one of those. I feel like those are the ideal picture for me and stuff like that. But all I know is I'm definitely going to make sure that I always pour back into my HBCUs because just having an alumni mentor, I have one here, just really makes a difference. So let me ask you this, because see, oftentimes students don't get opportunity to really speak on what they want. And that's why for me, I'm so big on this platform of having students on and really talking about different things. Also, even young alumni on to talk about what they have going on and things like that. So do you know where you want to be like a a position? Are you trying to be sideline reporter? You really trying to be on like that journalism writing side, podcasting radio, you trying to debate Stephen A. Smith on first take? What's the path that, that, that you're going after Morgan State. Have you thought about that? Yes, I have. So I specifically want to work on the social media side, but also the journalism side. But I want to work with diverse stories. So I either want to help with producing docu-series on players, on special teams, underdog programs, stuff like that. Or I want to be sidelining, interviewing people just about them. Not so much about the game, but how they got here, who they are, and stuff like that. And what they want the world to know. Because I feel a lot of times when we don't ask athletes, it's like, what do you want the world to know? And stuff like that. So that's what I see myself doing, telling those untold stories. 
We love the vision. Clarity of vision means everything because now that vision is clear. You know what path you need to take. You know what questions you need to ask because you plugged in. I'm telling you, you got mentors, USA basketball, the command is Doug Williams, okay? You had to call the Wiz. I can tell your story, Doug, okay? You know what I'm saying? I'll tell you, I can tell you the story about Eddie Robinson and the 56 years. I can tell one year because it's 56 years. Just let me get, just tell one year. All right, but listen, I think that is amazing. So we got to talk about the Super Bowl, though. All right, Super Bowl 58, all right, it's this weekend, all right? You're a Commanders fan. We learned you're a Commanders fan. I, I am a Baltimore Ravens fan. I'm also root for the Falcons as well, but Lamar Jackson is my dog. So you already know that I'm a little bit disappointed right now, okay? I got, and I have my shirt on, my AFC North champion shirt. I thought it was going to be AFC champions, then Super Bowl champions. I had my money saved to get those shirts. I had my jersey. I was wearing my jersey. I was a little bit hurt that it didn't go the way I thought it would. But you got the Chiefs. And you have the 49ers, okay? Pretty great Super Bowl. And it's a rematch from 2020. So who do you think is going to win? It's so hard. It's so hard because I will have to say I was rooting for the Ravens on the side. So I was disappointed. I was like, oh, come on, Lamar. We got to make it there. We got to make it there. But now that it's down to these two, I have to say I'm on the Chiefs side. If I had to pick out of the two, I'm feeling more the Chiefs. Um, just their dynamic this season, I feel like it's overpowering. I see them winning. If they don't win, I see them losing it third quarter. I can't, outside of that, I see them scoring first. I see them literally making it. It's going to be interesting. I think it's definitely going to be one to remember. This season was definitely a season. Yeah, it, it, the season was seasoning. I'm telling you that much. Like It, 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 was, it was something else. I, I think the Chiefs are going to win too. I think Patrick Mahomes, like, He's building a case as to be one of the greatest football players of all time. Like with just the Super Bowls he's won and the fact that he won his first Super Bowl in, in 2020 against the 49ers. And it's such a different team. You have Garoppolo that's going now. You have Brock Purdy that's here. You have Christian McCaffrey in the building. They got a super team. So if you, if you have Patrick Mahomes who lost Tyreek Hill and he goes, he beats the 49ers. Tom Brady, we coming for you, okay? You not the GOAT no more. Are you Were you really the GOAT? I don't know. But if but Patrick Mahomes beat, like, beats this 49ers team, nah, man. Nah, Tom Brady, you a commentator now, sir. Go sit down. He, 20, he 26. He 26 years old. That's the man now. And Lamar is going to be the second person, and he going to take now Patrick Mahomes next year. We got some Patrick Mahomes say that much, okay? We got some for him because they played with us. I definitely know Lamar's playing in it right now. That definitely should have been his game, but yeah. He, that duo right there is something else. So I could definitely see him winning. He is, and I, I want to say it was really sad. He had more Morgan State's choir. They didn't send the Star Spangled Banner. It was so beautiful. Just for them to lose. Oh, my God. Come on, man. You can't do that. Definitely. I was like, huh? I was almost jealous. I'm like, gosh, I should have been in the band. Y'all could have gave me a suit for one day. <laughs> this is crazy. All these people here? Like, we don't got Patrick Mahomes on the Ravens Stadium. I said, wow, this is amazing. But I got to ask you this, because I think you have an amazing story, and you're doing so many amazing things just with the USA basketball, with the Commanders. Of course, you had the, the Disney on the Yard program. And, of course, this project that you're doing with your great uncle, Robert Stonewall Jackson. So I want to ask this, like, where can we find you on social media? How can we support you? And where can we see this project? 
Yes, I'm currently working on being able to have it in an e-link. I'm currently working with um, different people to see where it could be shared. Currently, I am sending people copies of it if you would like a copy of it. But if you could find this on my social media page, you could reach out to me on my DMs, on my LinkedIn, at Asada, A-S-A-T-A-S-B-A-Z, on all platforms. And I'm just going to be sharing more of his story because I've gotten so much feedback. So many people reach out to me and stuff like that. And I want everybody to know about it. I love it. I love it. Listen, you talked about how in your career you want to tell diverse stories. You're doing it now. So we're super proud of you. We can't wait to see what this story turns into. And I think you're doing an amazing thing because Robert Stonewall Jackson is someone that I think people know about, but you're going to bring more light to him and what that meant, especially in the conversations about HBCU players being drafted. Because like I said, from 1950 to 2020, there was at least one HBCU player that was drafted. 2021 was the aberration. We want to make sure that folks understand that there's talent at Morgan State, there's talent at Fort Valley, there's talent at all of our HBCUs. They just got to go find it, all right? So I think that that, that is amazing. But thank you so much, Asada, for coming on. You're listening to HBCU Pulse Radio. Like what you hear? Yeah. Subscribe to HBCU Pulse Radio on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, head to HBCUPulse.com to stay up to date on what's going on in the HBCU community. Thank Thank you for for listening listening to HBCU HBCU Pulse Pulse Radio. Radio.